Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we can't believe that um, the biggest state in the country is going to give free health care to illegal aliens. That's just, I'm amazed. It's been been out there as a story for a while, and I keep thinking, well, it'll get stopped. There's a lot of stuff that gets thrown out by people who are virtue signaling, and it gets stopped in some committee, and it never happens. But it looks like it's going to actually happen. Health care for illegals, which is Absolutely amazing. And we're not talking about just emergency care in the emergency room, because that already exists. No hospital turns anybody away. Um, this is for better or worse. Taxpayer paid health insurance for adult illegal aliens. I think this is going to be a topic for a long time. Gary Dietrich is a longtime political analyst and friend of the Armstrong and Getty show. He's a nonpartisan guy. He's uh, involved in I3, Inspire, Inform, Involve. Uh, and joins us now. Hello, Gary. How are you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, this is sending the proverbial shockwaves once again, like California has so many times over the years. For the first time ever in U.S. history, adults who have come into the country undocumented are going to receive fully funded state health care. 
at the expense of California taxpayers, many of whom are struggling to get by. It's it's astounding. That's that's a fine point, but whether you're struggling or not doesn't mean I need to give you that money. It's got nothing to do with me. Whether I got a yacht or I'm poor, why do you get my money? You snuck into this country and you're sick. You know, to, to back up so people understand how this happened, the California state legislature has to produce a budget by June 15th. This is part of that budget. And so, you know, importantly, as people understand, in your home budgets, when you create a budget, whatever you put on the plate, that means something else monetarily can't be paid for, can't be put, you know, in that budget as well. So I think, guys, that's where the rub's going to be. The numbers are these. The first fiscal year, that takes effect uh, January 1, halfway through this fiscal year, and it's estimated that in this fiscal year it costs $100 million. So the first year they're estimating this is going to cost $200 million. And, of course, in the minds of many Californians, you know, whether they're opposed to it or not, that's going to be $200 million that wouldn't be spent elsewhere. Well, I got a bunch of questions about that. But, but So have you seen any polling on this? Do most people in California like the idea of free health care for illegals? I have not seen any polling on this, Joe. I just I would find that. it hard to believe that even in California, a majority of people support that. Well, in, in general, you know, as you know, California has been a hotbed of debate over what's going to happen to those who come in illegally and what kind of benefits they're going to receive. So this specific item is going to be very interesting because this will be something that, you know, this isn't just a one-time deal, by the way. This would be, grant these folks from age 18 through up until they're 26 benefits throughout that entire period of time. So this expenditure is likely to grow significantly over time. Of course, they well, always do. Uh, yeah, I was going to point out the that ages. The, the $200 billion uh, or $200 million price tag or whatever is uh, ridiculously low, um, especially given the fact, and, and Gary, there's absolutely no, um, there's no arguing this, that if you want more of something, subsidize it. If you want some, less of something, tax it. And I would say uh, not only uh, would illegal, uh, undocumented, whatever term you want to use, uh, illegal immigrants in other states be fools if they don't flock to California. But if you're in some third world country and you don't come to California, I think you're a fool. This is an enormous incentive to lure people. It's the best thing you could do for your family. Yeah. Well, there's undoubtedly going to be pressure in other states. You know how this goes. California tends to be the tail that often wags. The political dog. There's going to be pressure, I think, twofold. One in other states, especially blue states, to follow suit. And then I'm really interested to see what happens in the next week or two, most notably when those 20 candidates hit the debate stage for the Democrats in a couple weeks. Does this then become another rallying cry of what must happen nationally? One other piece of this budget that's very interesting is, of course, the Obamacare individual mandate was tossed out in 2017 by the Republicans in Congress. This would reinstitute that mandate in California alone. So you would be fined in California if you do not have medical insurance. And this is part of the, the part of the funds, by the way, where these uh, where these subsidies are going to come from that are, are are newly initiated for the undocumented folks. So go ahead. Gary Dietrich is a nonpartisan political analyst. Go ahead. So is the governor of California, Gavin Newsom? Such a unicorn riding uh, believer in utopias that he thinks this is a good idea, just in his bones he believes it? Or is this a crass political calculation that, look, the future of American politics is which party gets to own the Hispanic group if it votes as a block the way the way black people have done for decades? And I'm going to be the leader of making sure Democrats have Hispanic the Hispanic vote for decades to come. Is it that? 
Well, I, I, or is he a yeah, utopian? Does he actually believe you can craft a world where everybody gets everything and the taxpayers will just stick around and put up with it? Well, I have not asked him that specific question, Jack. I'll have to put that on the agenda for the future. But, you know, I, I think the I think the question is, are you a liar or a moron? That's the question. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> That's the way I'm phrasing it. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to ask him quite that in that, quite that fashion. I, I think I'll maybe tone it down a bit. But but here's the thing. Guys. Here's what we know for sure already in the first six months of the Gavin Newsom gubernatorial administration in California. And that is that whatever happens in Washington almost reflexively is going to be opposed and done the opposite in California. And so, you know, eliminate the individual mandate, put it on in California. I mean, there's no question that Gavin Newsom has set himself up as probably the anti-Trump in chief nationally. Now, some would say, boy, that's, you know, he really set himself up too early to run maybe next year, but certainly in four years, he is all in on the presidential race. No way that's a winning national issue. If it is, I honestly have to move to a different country, and I don't know what countries are left. Which don't believe in socialism. But there's no, if the nation thinks health care for illegals is a good idea, we are truly, truly done. Holy crap. Well, let's make it, let's make a distinction, Jack. As you well know, there's two parts to any presidential race. One is winning your own party's nomination. The second is winning over the nation's vote. And so, you know what we're seeing, for example, here in 2019, leading up to 2020. I mean, people are just climbing all over each other, as you know, in the Democratic primary process to out-progressive many of their compadres. And we even saw a big move, as you know, with Joe Biden in the last in the last week on that on the Hyde Amendment. So is, is it past political calculations to win his own party's nomination down the road? Who knows? Uh, Gary, I'm going to call on you to uh, do, uh, Jack, using a lot of t- uh, strong terms here, a lot of insulting terms. There's no need for it. Let's keep this high-minded. Uh, so it was, I believe it was in the 90s that Cal Unicornia passed, was it Prop 187, which was the one that said no taxpayer-funded social services for people who sneak in to the country? Was that? Yeah, that was, that was Prop 187. That, that one, as you know, that was, under, that was way back when under Governor Pete Wilson. And that was but that was what the nineties. Yes, and okay. that was when that was when this whole debate really surfaced very intensely in California. And the debate was political, not just policy, because the question was: Is our Republicans cutting off their noses to spite their faces because they're taking such a strong stance? And the first real big public statewide one on illegal immigration. Well, so but that, the public agreed with it. They, they vote, the, there was a vote to, no, we're not going to give services to illegals. The courts overturned it, but that's where we were politically at that time. Right, and here is my actual question. So how does the most populous state in the Union go from that in a couple of short decades to there is not a single Republican holding a statewide office. They haven't come within a sniff except for the insurance commissioner, whatever that is. Um, and something as as unthinkable not long ago as free government-funded health care for illegals passes or gets instituted. How did that happen? Well, you know, I guess supposedly on a macro scale, Joe, you could say, you know, our, our entire nation has drifted one way or the other. Has it not? I mean, this whole concept of red and blue states didn't even exist 30 years ago. All of a sudden now that's just taking, oh, yeah, well, of course we have red and blue states, and they're getting more deep red and more deep, deep blue. So is it just that? One thing we know for sure demographically that the state of California has become far less, has become far more uh, people of color. Uh, the Latino vote has grown substantially. The Latino population in particular has grown substantially. That is undeniably true. So whether those particular folks 
representing interests that they believe are reflective of their own political interests and those of their community, whether that's it or whether it's just part of the giant national political schism, you know, is for political scientists even way smarter than than uh, those at the graduate school that I will not name uh, talk about. <laughs> right. Uh, Gary Dietrich uh, went to the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, or so he claims. I haven't seen the paper, so I want to see the long-form diploma. Uh, Gary, it's it's always great to talk to you. Uh, you know, we'll stay in touch. Uh, if if no opposition to this arises... And it does so far, there's not. Then I would say, not just... And this is me, not you talking, Gary, but I would say not only conservatism, but adulthood practicality and realism are dead in Cal Unicornia. And and it's just going to go... The biggest state in the country, which often leads the politics. So. Right, it's just gone completely insane. Thanks, Gary. Good to talk to you. All right, talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. This is going to be a story for a, a long time to come, if it actually happens, which I still I still can't believe it's going to happen. Well, that's the problem, and this uh, is a, a long-held uh, Armstrong and Getty principle. I, I've got to come up with a, a better version of it. Because the old version of it's gross. It's just so gross. And I'm worried people will... will uh... Here, here's a better one. You look over your neighbor's fence, and you see your your neighbor, who, who regularly brushes his dog or his cat, is eating the dog's fur. We used to go with poop, but it's so gross. So the, dog, the guy's eating his dog's hair. What are you going to say to him? Say, Steve, uh, you probably shouldn't eat your pet's hair. No, his doing the act proves he's too crazy for you to reason with. And so when you see a state saying, yeah, anybody who shows up will make the taxpayers pay for your health insurance. That is so nuts. It's disturbing. You don't even know where to begin the discussion. You think, wow, we have no common ground. I don't know what... Uh, to appeal to well, you got your two people, logic, your your sense of no, fiscal responsibility. There's, there's no fixing that. You got two people who want to let's open a business together. Okay, you want to open a bowling alley. I want to open an ice cream shop. Mm. There's it's just we have two completely different views of what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, and that's clearly the case. You either like the idea. Gavin Newsom in his speech as the governor of California as his inaugural address or whatever said we're gonna be we're gonna be a home for. People of, uh, you know, all races and ages and genders and ethnicities and LBGBQ and all that sort of stuff and legal and documented and undocumented. So he just, everybody's welcome and everybody will be supported by someone. I don't know who this magical someone is. Apparently, taxpayer money is, is limitless. Right. But, uh, well, he declared the end to immigration law and the end to mathematics, as uh, far as I can tell. Well, right. Right. So, Since how there's do an you, endless uh, supply of money for all this. Right. Right. It's like one of those, uh, you know, intersectional social justice warriors who declare that there is no objective truth. My truth is my truth. How do you even discuss an everyone issue with will somebody be, like Everyone uh, will be, whether you work or not, whether you're a citizen or not, you will be taken care of in California. That's the Cradle current, the grave. That's the current theory. Yeah, which right. is, uh, we'll see how that works out. Hey, there's a new diet out, intuitive eating. I'm trying to catch up on what it is about. It's from the Atlantic, so it's 75 pages long. Oh, great. And has a lot of big words, but I'm trying to figure out. That, among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Available right now. Via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. So everybody uh, tries to watch what they eat and maintain a certain weight or lose weight, right? Every every single human being. Oh, yeah. Certainly every human being over the age of 28. Bit of a setback on the scale this morning. Um, it was a shock to me. So here's the hot new thing, according to The Atlantic. Intuitive eating. and the, Anything in The Atlantic has got to be 90 pages long. Oh, God. It's got to have a lot of really, really big words and complicated... I have skimmed this. Now, I haven't read it, like, really gotten into read it, but I've skimmed, like, 20 pages. I still can't figure out what it is. <laughs> it's the hot new thing, intuitive eating. What they're trying to get away from is the shame that so many people feel around gaining weight. Shame. 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 Gaining weight or, or, or being heavier than they want. They're trying to get away from that shame feeling, and they're trying to get away from the idea of there are good foods and there are bad foods. There are no bad foods. Yeah, there are. Yes, there are. That's what I'm saying, too. But so it's intuitive eating. It's it's eating what you feel like eating. There are no f- foods on the don't eat list. It's eating what you feel like eating and eating as much as you want. And and re again, I'm trying to figure out what this is. Re um, rethinking what your body shape or look should be. It sounds to me like it's just accepting that I'm fat. and This is what I'm going to look like for the rest of my life. Is it possible to go back and try the 20th century again? Because the 21st century is really annoying. Listen, let's just start at the year 1900. Let's do it better this time. And let's skip 14 to 18 and 39 to 45. Right, if we can. But let's start the civil rights movement in 1901. Sure. You know, there are all sorts of improvements we could make. 21st intuitive eating. Eat what feels right. And you'll be big and fat. Well, the, but but you change your acceptance of what you think your body... You don't use the normal standards people use for what your body image should be. I would like to not have a closet full of clothes I can't wear. That's not intuitive. I'd That's like just to, a fact. I'd like to be able to put on my shoes without sweating. I want my wife to have bigger boobs than mine. All right? <laughs> It sounds like you need to accept your genetic blueprint, just as a person with a shoe size of eight would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size six. No, I did this to myself. I was there. I remember. So, so intuitive eating is just accepting this is what I'm going to be and eating what I want. Okay. All right. And why does it take 80 pages to tell me that? Make peace with food. Call a truce. Stop the food fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. I've done that for decades. That's my problem. <laughs> That's interesting. i got to read this more and see if there's something hidden in there that is not just eat whatever the hell you want and accept that you're going to be fat forever. It does go over several times in this article about how it's just about impossible to lose significant weight and keep it off. Very few people do it. And I know, call, call, you know, send the emails to Joe about your weight loss plan or what you did. Go ahead. Oh, great. You want yeah. us to start eating your food I'll read those and with great pay $80 care. a month to do it. But yeah. I've known t- two people in my whole life, I think, who lost uh, significant weight and kept it off in my whole life. All kinds of different ways. Vince was one of them. You've got to work at it hard every day for the rest of your days because your brain is desperately trying which is, to, to get that weight back. Which on is a you, worthy thing know. to do. I don't agree with the intuitive eating thing. I think that's worthy. If you're going to dedicate yourself to something, that's a good thing to dedicate yourself mm-hmm. to. But, um, yeah. The Atlantic just, they're, they're, you know, often their long form stuff is so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, they become embarrassingly left, but a lot of times it's just so completely full of crap. 
It is the perfect example of this, stuff so dumb only an intellectual could fall for. This would for be it. one of those. Yeah, I have another uh, example for you. I'll, I'll dial it up in this half hour. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got another round of warnings about the crisis at the border. Congress putting big tech on the hot seat once again. This time, it's different. Okay. Coming up. Fantastic. All that on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Britney Spears' dad has asked for conservatorship there in Louisiana to manage his daughter's life. She's that far off the rails? He's 60-some, she's 37? Wow, that's not good. Or or he just wants a chunk of her money. Yeah, I'd wonder what his financial situation is. Control her money. She's not been a paragon of emotional stability. She checked herself into a rehab, a mental facility in April. I totally agree with that, but I have no reason to believe that her dad would be any better. No, like, you're the one who made this. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> why? Like, why, why am I testing you again? You, you got her into being a child star, so right. that's a decent point. Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Oh, a Mexico deal, not enough. The Homeland Security Department warning about an unprecedented crisis at the southern border. During the Senate hearing today, the acting secretary, Kevin McAleenan, said immigrant children are especially at risk. He blamed gaps and weaknesses in U.S. immigration laws. And when asked by Senator Lindsey Graham... What Mexico is doing is helpful, but it's not an adequate substitute for Congress acting. Is that accurate? I agree with that. So Mexico cannot solve this problem by itself. Right. Well, Mexico can't solve a tenth of the problem by itself. I mean, it's helpful, but the inaction of Congress should be the only thing anybody ever discusses on this topic. I mean, listen, like the like I said, the other stuff matters a little bit, but is so completely dwarfed by the inaction of Congress. I, I mean, I mean, if your kid burns down the house and hasn't finished their homework, you probably ought to talk about the homework at some point. But that's not the problem. McAleenan said the government border facilities are overflowing and resources are being stretched thin. <laughs> he said, actually, it's beyond the breaking point now. Big Tech back in D.C. House Judiciary Committee today is going to launch its investigation into the market dominance of Silicon Valley's biggest names, starting with a look at the impact of the tech giants' platforms on news content, the media, and the spread of misinformation. In a capital that's been pretty much steeped in partisanship, this committee probe of tech market power standing out, not only is it bipartisan, but it's also the first such review by Congress. So they will be grilling the tech giants. Good, grill them. Former Veep Joe Biden will hit President Trump head on during his trip to Iowa. Trump said that oh, Biden. That's exciting. Will, Trump said <laughs> Biden will be in the Hawkeye State at the same time today and tonight. Biden's staff releasing some of his remarks. He'll be calling Trump's presidency an existential threat to the U.S. No, it's not. I mentioned yesterday how that's the uh, problem with your argument, Joe, is that it's patently false. He's a pain in the ass. You don't like his policies. He's rude. You don't like him. You can't wait till it's over. All right, fair enough. Existential threat? No freaking way. It's just dumb. You having a good time, Joe? I mentioned yesterday how Bill Clinton got into the race in October of 91. So just a couple of months before Iowa in 92. That seems like a perfectly good way to do it. Candidates are bumping around for, what, three months? Before the uh, before the Iowa caucuses, that ought to be plenty, plenty of time. Plenty of time, ninety days, plenty of time. How do we do, how do we get back to that? 
by not paying attention to this crap? Is that the only way to get back to well, it? They, they realize they're wasting their time? You know, granted, some of these people have other work, allegedly, as a senator or governor or what have you. But, I mean, if you spent, you got three months. You got Christmas time in the middle. Let's call it two and a half months. You're working five days a week. Hitting, you know, a diner here, a meeting right. hall there, a rally there. Five days a week for three months, you could reach pretty much everybody you needed to reach a couple of times and get everybody a really solid idea of who you are and what you're about. This process we're going through right now, it's just, it's torturous. It's awful. It's like the Super Bowl pregame show. Nobody wants it to be this long. I don't think it will be this way next time. I think this is a last gasp of something. A whole bunch of people getting in because they think they're going to make a name for themselves. It's not working. Right. There's a bunch of people on the list. We don't. We still don't know who they are. So they wasted their time and money. And, and or they're an object of mockery. And they embarrassed themselves right. in front of their in front of whoever it is, you know, that they knew before. Right. So I think that'll go away. And um, I, I could see this being the last round of this next time around. People thinking, you know what? I'm going to get in late summer. That'll be fine. People declaring on inauguration day start campaigning during the inaugural address in Iowa. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to watch the inauguration. Well, I want you to consider my candidacy. <laughs> the Chinese woman charged with illegally entering President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort will be allowed to act as her own attorney. The judge has granted Yujing Zhang's request today to fire her public defenders and go ahead and represent herself. I hope she's a better attorney than she is a spy. She's not very good at that. The judge found her competent and intelligent, but strongly tried to talk her out of the decision. She insisted, however, she asked at the uh, hearing in Fort Lauderdale that everything be carried out in English, but she struggled at times, apparently, trying to understand what the judge was saying. Uh, You know, I still say, and a listener of ours who's in the intelligence services hipped us to this, uh, I still say she's a Chinese national and got the tap on the shoulder from Big Brother. The Chinese government called her and says, listen, we need you to sneak in and, and put these on phones at Miralago. If you get caught, just, uh, you know, plead ignorance. I'll bet it was one of those, because this chick was hapless. Legalizing medical marijuana does not, it turns out, reduce the rate of fatal opioid overdoses. That's according to Stanford huh. University School of Medicine. They did the research on it. And uh, they looked and said, contrary to a 2014 study, there's no evidence of a connection between opioid deaths and the availability of medical cannabis. Seems a little early to be unleashing a conclusion about this. I mean, you got your current on the verge of death junkies. Mm -hmm. They're either going to get well or die. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking you'd have to let it go for a while. I tell you, the one thing I'm keeping a real eye on is the connection between heavy marijuana use you know, your modern marijuana, this absolutely Vulcan mind eraser, and uh, psychosis. Because there are oh, compelling yeah. uh, studies out there saying it's just too much for your brain to take. And and we ought to know as a society, how dangerous is it to smoke this super potent new pot? Which is one of the more the most compelling and important reasons why the legal is getting it declassified as a Schedule One narcotic so we can even do these tests to begin with. Right. So yeah. we can get these answers. Yeah. Let the professors do those studies. Last night in Toronto. Thompson, one fake, one dribble, one shot. Got it! Golden State retakes the lead. What a turnaround for the Warriors. Warriors beating the Raptors in Game 5, 106-105. Earlier in the game, though, Kevin Durant got injured, Achilles injury. The team announcing that he is set now for an MRI today. And teams around the country are hoping he ends up on their team because he could change your luck overnight. Well, there's a report out just in the last half hour. It says if it is a full tear, he likely 
stays with the Warriors all of next year, does not play a game, and just rehabs as a Warrior. Right. Right. Yeah. Which well, is bad news if you're a Warrior fan, because you still got the salary and all that sort of stuff. Listen, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, right. obviously. Well, uh, amateur. Sometimes friends' neighbors stop by and say, hey, can you look at my knee? I'll, I'll cut it open, take a look. <laughs> I'll scope around a little. Uh, it's a, yeah, I got a scope. It's Where's a, my skill saw? Strictly on an amateur basis, though. Uh, but uh, I've had that injury, and if he had severed his Achilles tendon, which is what you're talking about, um, you'd know it. And he'd have known it, and it's obvious, and it's ugly, and you don't... Uh, no, he just aggravated his Achilles. Uh, I say, and again, I'm one for one in diagnosing Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. He will be back uh, looking uh, good and strong uh, last third of the next season. Maybe the last half of next season. So he stays a warrior then? Oh, I don't know. Well, that'd be the smart move for him, probably. I don't. Yeah, I don't see a lot of downside to it, especially in his uh, injured wow. form. Yeah, what are you going to do? If he goes to New York with his thin skin and his wobbly Achilles tendon... And they're saying, we paid all this money, where is he? In the New York Post? No, don't, Kevin. Kevin, listen, I'm older than you. You're richer than me, clearly. You got a better shot. Although my uh, my behind-the-bag dribble is frozen more than one defender. But anyway, when I'm not doing amateur knee surgery. No, listen, I'm telling you, Kevin, you you do not want any of that, bro. Stay in Northern California, where, you know... Everybody's so soft and sweet. You, know, you, you, you got time to heal. <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Got this email from John. Uh, Trump should threaten tariffs on Canada until the finals format is changed to best of 11. Right. Or you stop booing hurt American players. Yeah. Not cool. That caused an international incident. Or cheering. Cheering when they get hurt. Right. Heck yeah, it was an international. To me, it was the same as when North Korea shoots up a missile. Yeah, it was just like that. Very similar. Sickening. Uh, we got a pretty good text on the what-if problem of offering health care to illegals, which there are a lot of what-if problems. Oh, boy, yeah. I still haven't gotten to this study of how many people feel like they need to get in a s- certain amount of good shape before they can even join a gym because they don't want to show up to the gym looking the way they look, which is interesting. I'd never even considered that. I'm not a, and it's a woman thing? I don't know. Yeah, and I found my ridiculously pretentious thing from the Atlantic that I was looking for. Is it dumber than in the new intuitive eating, which is the new diet according <laughs> it's to the Atlantic? It's hard to pick a favorite, <laughs> dumb-wise. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. use among seniors aged 65 and older is rising faster than any other age group in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So that explains why your grandma started calling you dude. So we've been talking about and we'll be talking about for a while and the whole nation's going to be talking about. I hope the presidential election is all about this. California is going to give health care, free health care, taxpayer funded health care. For illegals. Full on. So Taxpayer funded family health insurance. So we jumped past the whole, is health care a right and does everybody get it? Which has been a conversation my whole life. And so far, America has, has said no. Everybody doesn't get it. 
Um, now we're just going to jump straight to even if you're not a citizen, you get it. Okay. Yeah. In California, anyway. Yeah. Got this text. Not just immediate health care for illegals, but what's going to happen for long-term chronic care for illegals? My son had a catastrophic spinal cord injury two years ago. Jeez, that's rough. Yeah. And his medical bills would bankrupt us if it wasn't for Medi-Cal. If my family was illegal, would California pay for this long-term care? Cause estimates for his care at four years old for the rest of his life for three to five million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Are, are we paying long-term mental and chronic health care? This yes. texts you from a Bernie supporter. This S makes no sense. A Bernie supporter who's, that's a rough story. Four-year-old oh, got a... Yeah. Well, and Bernie would agree. Bernie would tell you, and I'm not going to do the voice for once, we want a very generous welfare state where we distri- redistribute a lot of income from a lot of people to other people. But the one thing we need is borders because we can't have the entire globe coming and being takers. Well, we were talking to Gary Dietrich earlier, and he was thinking this is going to become a uh, a campaign topic. I hope so, too. I want all the Democrats asked on stage. Health care for everybody. I think almost everybody's on board with uh, the health care as a right, and everybody should get it. So Bernie certainly is. But is Bernie going to say, no, not for illegals? I, I hope wonder. he does. I hope he says that out loud. I think he will. I wonder. Because it just doesn't work. You can't do it. Right. Right. God, and everybody in the world, if not the country, is going to find their way to California with their most expensive case. How would you not? If you if, don't, you're a fool. If you've got one of those tragedies, I would owe it to my family to right. get to California. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah, it is. So is there more to the uh, the gym story? People want to get in shape before they go to the gym? They clean their house before the maid gets there? 62% of people said they have worked out to prepare for a gym membership. Worked out before they joined the gym to be ready to join the gym. Hmm. 45% of those admit it was because they're too embarrassed to show up at the gym so out of shape. So that adds up to only 28% of Americans wouldn't join a gym until they were in somewhat decent shape. Yeah. All right. That's funny. I'm so not in that culture. I'm not either. I never never have been, but yeah. 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 I think it's different for women. I definitely think it's different for women. So like I said before, I used to be a big fan. Yes? You don't want to show up to the gym just flinging the bar around on the old bench press you gotta you gotta at least be able to put a couple plates on there or something right like you yeah, do going, i going on those on some of those uh multi-flex machines like clang clang like your stuff just ringing around like it's ah, you yeah, don't no resistance at all you don't even have the pin in you're just yeah, pulling just, yeah. the bar cling 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 another yeah. set done no come on you gotta mix in a couple a couple body squats before you show up yeah, see, our problem is we've reached the given up on life stage yeah. of our lives. So, Doing your curls yeah. with your water bottle. You just leave your water <laughs> right. bottle. Right. Good thing I signed up for this gym. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So I found it. I used to love the Atlantic Monthly, but it's gone way left and just so pretentious at times. Listen to this. I, I was joking about doing knee surgeries and other and advising NBA players. I don't do any of those things, but I do write bunches and bunches of songs. I've done it since I was a kid, um, and I love this. It was about some songwriting podcast that's popular these days. So where do songs begin? In states of heaviness and cloudiness, in moments of obscure magnetism. A lonely Thundercat gets drunk. Now he's even lonelier, and they go on and on with a bunch of pretentious writing. This is how inspiration works. A word suggests itself, then another. A strand of tune floats by into the chaos. A dark jostle of instincts, the dim forms, the undeclared sensations. Comes the Logos, the transforming spirit. Art breathes upon the waters. 
No, generally speaking, you pick up your guitar or a piano and you dink around till you think that sounds good. I wonder what would sound good after that. And then you dink around some more. And the lyrics, you think about somebody you love or you hate or you're pissed off or you're happy and you write yourself a little poem. The heaviness and cloudiness, the dark jostle of instincts coming of the logos, the transforming <laughs> spirit. I'll have to take your word for that. <laughs> I don't recall that happening. And where was that? <laughs> the Atlantic. So that was the same place that had this thing about the new diet is intuitive eating. Yes. That is 50 pages that basically says, hey, eat whatever you want. Yeah. You'll gain it back anyway. <laughs> this is why I've been saying for years, decades now, when the revolution comes, the first up against the wall will be music critics. <laughs> I'll pull the trigger myself. <laughs> Then comes the Logos, the transforming spirit. You're high. Hey, spirit, (laughs) stay what you were. Oh, hey, listen, I'm a kind person. I want good things for good people. And and, uh, the big wedding announcement, it was a secret wedding. Good friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes has allegedly gotten married secretly to her hotel air fiancé, William Billy Evans. I do. Congrats. <laughs> I uh, so solemnly swear. I certainly do. I wrote so, my own vows. So, <laughs> congrats to those two crazy kids. Hello, Elizabeth Holmes here. I wanted to announce that I just married Billy Evans. I uh, figure-sticked him first to make sure that he'd live until he was at least 85. Uh, that's that. I should be out of jail by then. Now, final thoughts. <laughs> Here's Joe Getty. Thanks, Elizabeth. <laughs> Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Hey, Marshall Phillips, what's your final thought? Well, I got to tell you, I just learned today is National Corn on the Cob Day. I am heading oh, to the store. I'm in. Oh, oh man. Now, how can we National Donut Day? We're walking knee deep in donuts right. in this building. I want corn on the cob everywhere. There we go. I would eat that. Man, oh, yeah. that's part of my intuitive eating. It's a good idea to eat corn on the cob. Indeed. Michael, your uh, final thought? Yeah, I'm going to the gym, then I'm going to start my intuitive diet. So it's going to be bench presses along with. Pizza, chocolate, and mashed potatoes. So oh, we'll see how it yeah. goes. Or chocolatey mashed potatoes. <laughs> Yummy. Hey, Positive Sean, final thought for us? To paraphrase the late great comedian Mitch Hedberg, it shouldn't be called corn on the cob. That's how corn comes. When you take it in the can, that should be called corn off the cob. Mm. Right. Jack, final thought? I have been doing intuitive eating for decades now. You know what sounds good? That's what intuitive eating is. <laughs> Indeed. And the next thing you know, guess what? You sweat when you put on your shoes. Oh. That's what happens. Oh, boy. My final thought is, in terms of the Iowa caucuses and the polls and the race and all, I've moved from interest to apathy, and I'm now squarely in hatred. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I just don't. Just shut up. It's too early. It's too much. It's too long. Wake me when it's over. Let me know who's been vaulted into, perhaps, leadership for New Hampshire. And that's like in the wintertime, right? Next year? Yeah, February, early February. You could join this conversation in January and certainly be fine. You wouldn't have missed anything important. Right? Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. We'll be previewing next year's NBA Finals tomorrow. <laughs> so many people to thank at armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us, a mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is... Uh historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get!
Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. And the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Oh, I remember this one. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.